Welcome to Let's Go GHO. This is Dr. Trish Burgess, and today I have with me several team members who have gone with GHO on mission. It's been quite a while since we sent a team on mission due to the COVID pandemic, but we were so excited to be back going to the nations that I can't wait for you to hear how it's going. I'm Dr. Trish Burgess, and I'm here uh, to talk with uh, team members that have gone with us on our trip since COVID. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Lloyd DeFore. I've been involved with the GHO since about 2003, and I've probably been on 70 trips with them. Hi, I'm Peggy Scholes, and I came as a nurse um, for all three of the trips that I've done with GHO and also the worship leader. I'm Rhonda Sitta. Um, I, I'm a servant on, on the two trips I've been on, one to El Salvador and one to DR. I'm Jack Pike for Connecticut. I, uh, I'm a PA, so I've been a, one of the medical providers, and I was on the recent DR trip, and I've, prob- I've been like Lloyd around 2003, although not as many trips as him, but quite a few. Hey, I'm Elizabeth Fuller. I'm a nurse anesthetist, um, and this was my first GHO trip uh, to the Dominican Republic, and I functioned as a primary care provider. Okay, great. So I wanted to get a variety of people on this um, podcast to talk about what it's been like since COVID. As we all know, our country suffered along with all the other countries in the world um, with COVID, but definitely I would say we didn't have nearly as many issues as many of the countries were going to, primarily because GHO goes into the impoverished areas where the poor and needy are and where they have little to no access to healthcare. But as we were planning to come back, which we were planning for most of that 14 months we were shut down, um, we worked to develop a plan when we could go back. Um, I met with several physicians, including an ID specialist um, and an immunologist to make up a plan that would be good so that we could get back out there um, before it was completely gone, which who knows when that'll be. Um, But so the first thing I wanna ask you guys is what did you think of the COVID plan we developed? So we had extra PPE, we had enough for our patients and the national team as well as our team. We had tests available in case the team got sick or exposed. Um, We did have um, a promise from our national partners to help us if we had a team member test positive and have to quarantine at home. And now we have a vaccine requirement. So would you guys say that doing that made you feel safer about getting back out there? I would say for sure. I felt comfortable um, having the vaccine myself and knowing that um, many of our interpreters and the the host church, many were vaccinated and um, we had plenty of PPE and, uh, you know, just knowing that we had that support was very helpful. What do you think, Rhonda? I I agree with Peggy. I felt very comfortable. Um, We were more than adequately protected. Everybody honored the requirements to stay protected on both sides, um, as well as the patients. And I, um, yeah, I felt very comfortable. I didn't have any qualms at all about going back. In fact, I was happy to. Okay, good. Yeah, I was not sure how the patients would respond, but it seems like they were equally cooperative. They've all, we've all gotten used to that over the world. So Lloyd, as a team leader, do you feel like the national team felt safer? Do you think that our precautions that, that made them more comfortable receiving teams also? Yeah, I was uh, extremely pleased. I've been to Ecuador and Nicaragua and, um, you know, the, both teams from the U.S. and, and our partners 
uh, in Ecuador and Nicaragua. That, you know, neither one of uh, anybody, nobody felt, uh, I think, that there was any big risk. In fact, I took uh, uh, my wife and, and my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter on uh, the trip mm-hmm. to Nicaragua. And, you know, everybody was very comfortable in what we were doing. Good. What about and you? I did a great job in preparing, too. Good. What about you, Jack? Do you think the DR, the, the national team felt better about it? I think so. And I think it, it worked both ways. I think with us coming, all being vaccinated, I think they they felt more comfortable. There's more and more people getting vaccinated there, but I think they, uh, they also felt much more at ease uh, with it. And of course, everyone wore, they were very, very careful in wearing masks. In fact, they were handing masks out to everyone who came in. Everyone got a mask. So they were very, very uh, careful about that. Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. As soon as they register, they have to put a mask on and leave it the entire time. Liz, you've never been on a trip. So did you feel any awkwardness with it or did it just seem like it flowed pretty natural as far as people cooperating? I felt like it flowed very naturally. Um, In fact, honestly, considering I've grown up in the South and practice in the South, they were actually more consistent um, in these other countries with wearing masks out in public and driving their cars and in just daily life than I would say we even are in the state of Georgia, Alabama, Florida. And so it was pretty impressive really to see such a uniformity among the nationals as well as of course our own team because we're coming into their country. But um, it was very standard. Nobody raised any issues with it and everyone felt very comfortable, I would say. Yeah, I was pleased with how that went. Um, And it made me more confident being back out there, you know, hearing reports like that. So Lloyd, it's a lot different when you're planning and preparing a team though, especially with trying to keep track of what their requirements are for a team to come in. What did you think about preparing your team for the mission? The Ecuador team was was really easy. Uh, you know, all we needed was to be able to show that we'd been vaccinated or we had the antibodies or, you know, it was easy to, uh, uh, to get in there. Now, Nicaragua was a little different because we had to have a test within 72 hours of when we left. And you know what, that was uh, a little bit disturbing uh, because a lot of people don't have access to, to the test. And they, some people had to travel two hours to get the test. Uh, to be able to get in, but and, and we had uh, frankly a few people on the Nicaraguan trip decide that they were not going to go because of that. But um, we had uh, 19 that were going, and, and actually had somebody in, in Miami that had issue that, that Mensa had an issue with in Nicaragua. But but overall, I think it's going to get better with every trip. Uh, we're going to know more about what these countries are going to expect and. And um, I think that uh, every trip is going to, to be easier and we'll be better prepared. And, and uh, you know, hopefully things will get better with everything that we do. So. Yeah, I think it's going to get easier. Um, Nicaragua is, is so far the hardest trip we sent back. And I'm preparing a team now that leaves in less than two weeks. But not only did you have to have that test within 72 hours, but it has to be submitted 36 hours beforehand. That's, so that's a very narrow window to get it done, but get it sent to us. Plus it had to be signed by a physician, had to be stamped. Um, so we just had everyone send them to GHO and we took care of that, but it did make it more challenging. 
So I wanted to ask you, Jack, since you've been on several and now one back, how do you feel when our missions, how do they seem different to you as you return? Did you notice any changes at all, really, returning to the mission field? I think the, uh, the uh, let me go, uh, go back for a second. I was going to say, uh, as far as preparing the team, I think we actually needed to be prepared to fully wear masks. We came from many of us in locations where we're not wearing masks a lot these days in stores and whatever, and we needed to actually default back to make sure that we were doing it, even though it was hot and wearing those masks is, is tough. But anyway, and, and the difference was, at least in our team, is we, we were coming back to a, a much smaller team. Uh, normally we have 40, 50 people on that team. And because of all the issues, we only had 17 on this team. So in that respect, it was different returning at least to that mission field and on that, and that uh, time. But the Lord was, and I, you may know this, uh, uh, Trish, I don't know, but the Lord was totally in control because mm-hmm. a week before the school that we had rented for us canceled. And so they got around trying to find someplace, which we found someplace, but that place would have never handled a team of 40 or 50. So Lord knew we were going to be a smaller team and worked that out. So that was, yeah, that was really pretty cool. Yeah, that is amazing. And actually, Peggy, I was going to ask you to make your comments since you've been on some, but um, we had a similar experience in the DR with that as well. But what do you think? Do you feel like it was much different Well, when I went to the Dominican in 2019, uh, we had a team of 31. And um, so that was that uh, it felt different, a different dynamic, maybe than a team of 19. But I was just amazed just how God was able to provide just what we needed when we needed it. And uh, we had wonderful doctors, just having the nurses that were there, just me and um, Linda and uh, then all of the medical students that came were so helpful. So the fact that it was a smaller team didn't seem to matter. I think we impacted the people that we impacted. And, uh, you know, God provided. We were at one place, the one facility first, um, La Paja, and uh, a bridge got rained out so that some people couldn't come, but, you know, God brought the people that needed to be there for that first batallés. And then when we went to the other one, God opened doors there too, because we had that field where we were going to be setting up and it, it was too wet to set up there. And that um, school opened up and it was just perfect. It was just the right accommodations for the size of our team. And it was just what we needed. So it was very special to see how God used the giftedness of the people that did sign up. And um, it was just the right team. Yeah, I really love to watch how God, you know, paves our way and our plans are never always exactly what we get there. Um, But somehow he's prepared us and that school that opened up for us actually had declined our team being allowed to work there. But I guess the superintendent of the school really wanted us to come. So when the other area was kind of flooded out, he called again and he said, please come, we want you to come here. So he, Jack, kind of same thing. They opened up a new facility for us. So it was pretty amazing. You know, I would like to add something that I think with everything that has gone on with COVID and especially Nicaragua with, with the government issues that I've never seen people respond 
as well as they did and is hungry for the Lord and, and just people's love than, than what I saw on these two trips. And, and mm. uh, the numbers that we saw were impressive, but the number of people that accepted the Lord, made decisions for Christ were, were a lot greater than what we typically have. And, and uh, to be able to, to be with Rolando and his staff and all the translators in Nicaragua, you know, as much as anything, I think that we were successful in letting them know that the world has not forgotten them, that GHO has not forgotten them, and that yeah. they're special, wonderful people, and that they're loved. And, and uh, so we had an opportunity to do a lot of things on these trips, and, and it's, it's uh, people, they need this right now more than any time that we've been doing these mission trips. So the opportunity is great. Yeah, I agree. Rhonda, I wanted to ask you, you know, part of this plan was spacing out patients coming to clinic so that we could social distance them. But it also meant that we were seeing less numbers typically, but that had some advantages. And I want to get, I mean, because I remember us talking about that and you were doing the eyeglass clinic, I think a lot, Um, Mm -hmm. but it allowed you to have some more time with your patients as you saw them. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I had the opportunity this trip that I didn't have last trip to pray with, I would have to say just about every person that sat across from me. So what a blessing to, to be able to do that. And they were grateful for it. They were joyful to just, there wasn't a single person that we asked if they wanted to pray that said, no, they, they, you know, and to hold their hands and, and then to offer them hand sanitizer and to use it ourselves, whatever it took, but we just, to hold them. It was such a spirit-filled week and such a blessing. So yes, maybe not not the frenetic pace that we were maybe used to um, on other trips for other, you know, but it was a continual flow, but the time was there to spend and talk and, you know, to uh, to love on them. And they they um, they need that. They, they sorely need it. So great. I was so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think that's sort of what Lord's, Lloyd's was trying to say in that, you know, and I prayed a lot before these missions, you know, a little anxious about how it all was going to run with the new COVID plan and all that. But the lower volumes gave us so much more intimacy with our patients. And that was precious. And Liz, so you've never really done one before, but sometimes we can pull up and there are four or 500 patients waiting there. Um, obviously, we didn't do that this time for safety reasons and distancing, but I just wanted to get your just overall opinion or what you thought about your first time experience with a GHO mission. So um, I have done other medical mission trips with other groups Two, I was doing anesthesia for surgeries and one I was also a primary care provider. And I can say that this organization and with this trip, it was the most well organized and provided for and staffed um, mission that I've done. All of the other ones, I did one in the DR and others in Central America. And so similar type populations, but this was by far the most organized one. In fact, you know, just certain little things that GHO does, such as provide a manual about practicing medicine in third world countries and providing a formulary list of common diagnoses and what we actually have to treat those things was hugely helpful. And it made it that much smoother. And with that 
much less anxiety going into it, knowing what we had available and being able to prepare a little bit better for this population. That's great. I appreciate your saying that. Um, And I did want to ask you, Jack, about this. So were you able in, in your mission to get a better understanding of what these developing countries have been through in the last year um, with the international shutdown. Um, I know we felt burdened ourselves. We've talked about that briefly, but any thoughts in particular that you have on what they have suffered through that we might not even be aware of in our country here? Well, I think I, my discussions were with the Dominican, the church Dominican people pretty much, and they certainly had their own significant financial impacts, both in staffing and also with fellowship. I mean, that, that was a, a, a big thing, but also they very much missed not only the teams, but they missed that evangelical opportunities that are provided, uh, that they're normally able to do in the different barrios or wherever, you know, they, they set up uh, that they were able to do, and they weren't able to do that for such a long time. And I was going to say also when it regards to the time with patients, I, I, I guess there must be a little bit of a difference in that in the DR with a, a lot of the people and especially the uh, OASIS people being vaccinated. We were able to, we were, we put through 1400 people in that five days. And I think people felt more comfortable being a little closer, even though we were masked, felt more comfortable being closer and all that. And so boy, that, just that vaccination and all that is really makes such a huge difference in, in, in their comfort level as well as our comfort level. Mm-hmm, I yeah. agree. Lloyd, when you came back, you were talking. In fact, you called me to say you need to warn people on your teams. They're going to hear some really hard stories. These people have really suffered. Um, do you want to talk about that briefly? Just kind of what you were hearing in Ecuador, was it? Uh, in Ecuador and, and also Nicaragua, you know, very, very few, maybe 2% of these people have had any vaccinations. But uh, what happened with them, most of them lived day to day. And uh, and how the, the government dealt with this is uh, they would let one family member leave the house and the rest of them had to stay in the house all the time. They'd be arrested if they got out. And I know that this is the way it was in El Salvador and in Honduras and in a lot of those countries. And so if they can't get out, they can't earn a lift. So it was a lot of these people, you know, they probably had more people die from starvation than they did from, from COVID. But with, with COVID, they don't have the resources that we have here. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, we have more ventilators in one hospital and they've got a whole country of Honduras. So the medical care that they have is just so and I'm, I won't say non-existent, but they just don't have a lot of resources that, that we do. And where our government, we print $5 trillion, you know, these people, they don't have any of that government support. So, you know, they had a lot of family members that, that, that they so died or, or saw that died from COVID. In fact, one of our national partners in uh, Ecuador's husband died. And, uh, you know, it's just... It was just a, a terrible death, and they were watching it and couldn't do a thing about it. And so it hit these countries that we go to a whole lot differently than what we had here. And I'm not trying to diminish what you know we've suffered here, too, but uh, it, was, it was tough. Yeah, many of the countries where we go, particularly the areas in the countries 
you know, they work every day and what they earn that day is how they feed their family for that day. And GHO was trying to help somewhat. A lot of our national partners were letting us know that. And um, either GHO staff or most commonly team members that go to a certain area regularly were raising funds and sending them money so they could buy food bags or food baskets to help them. And, and they were distributing it as a ministry, these churches, trying to help their community. It felt a lot of times like a drop in the bucket while we were doing that. But um, so it is really hard to hear those stories. Does anyone else have any last comments or things they've noticed about being back out there? I'd like to um, just add that I felt that while we were, um, you know, more PPE and, and post-COVID or in COVID still, but post-shutdown, uh, the mission is the same, right? We're going there for the people. And the teams, the love between the teams are the same. And the team time is the same. And the national partners, the way we connected with the national partners because we were just so joyful to be there. You know, I, I had three trips canceled in that time that we were, you know, because I kept trying to go. So just so joyful to be there. So I feel like we need to, to get out there. Um, the mission is there. You know, God's calling us. We go. We go. I think that's a great point. Peggy, did you notice that? I thought the team it was so special for the team, so excited to be there together and have that fellowship. Yes, and I think it started from when we first met them and went to church together. But just as each day went along, we just felt more of a cohesiveness, more of like my interpreter was just wonderful. And every member of Oasis was just um, so gracious and so grateful. And beyond the interpreters and, and the church there, just the, the people that we were ministering to I was really touched by just how grateful and unassuming they were coming from an American culture where people that we treat, it, it's almost like they're entitled and, and they deserve this. And the people from the Dominican Republic were just so happy to have us there and so gracious and so patient when they had to wait to be seen. It was just amazing and beautiful, you know, to be able to, um, share the love of Christ and preach the gospel and see lives changed and provide medical care all, all at the same time. It, it just was very worthwhile. And I would say for me, seeing people having their temperature checked before they come and, and wearing the masks, there was no question that we were supposed to be there and that uh, GHO made that happen very smoothly. Liz, I don't know what size your teams you've been on, but, you know, for us, a lot of us, these were a little smaller than normal, but to me, the bonding and fellowship among the team is just spectacular that way. A, a team bigger, it's harder. What'd you feel about that? You know, honestly, I came back from this trip encouraged, energized. Every other trip I've gone on, and there were similar sized teams, but every other one I came back feeling exhausted, beat up, mentally just so tired. And then you come back to your day job, which is the same thing. <laughs> and so this one, I felt that the team was certainly the most cohesive, both in personalities and work ethic and attitude and love for the Lord, that there was a real 
sincerity in the group and in our national partners, um, sincerity to get to know each other, to kind of walk the walk with them, with each other during this week, to laugh together. We had so many funny moments. And also there was a lot of spiritual depth on the team as well. And, you know, the, the older members poured into the younger ones and the younger ones brought such a positive energy and love for the Lord and sincerity and that the older ones could certainly glean from. And so I thought that even though I've been on similar sized teams, that this was by far the most cohesive and one where people were very sincere in their faith. And honestly, you know, there's other trips, other teams that the focus isn't necessarily the Lord. And so, yes, we are there to provide medical care, but medical care is really just the front to be able to present the gospel. And so to have that expectation that the gospel would be shared with every single person and that we as a team were leading in sharing the gospel and providing medical care, that it was a dual expectation, um, really set the stage for the Lord to be able to work not only in our patients' lives, but in our own. Absolutely. Yeah, Trisha, yeah, Liz just like nailed it, what I was thinking. I mean, the team we had, uh, a smaller team does allow greater cohesiveness, but the team we had was probably the most cohesive team I've ever been on. And most of them, uh, many of them were new time, new members, and I was so incredibly impressed with the spiritual maturity of the young people that were on that team. It was just, you know, very encouraging, really was. I was going to ask for your final thoughts for thanks for those. I want to thank you guys and, you know, for one, participating in this podcast, but being brave enough, courageous enough to say yes and go. Um, with a lot of uncertainty, Lloyd led the very first trip back. He broke the ice, but it takes it takes a little bit of courage to do that. So I appreciate each one of you for trusting in the Lord. Um, we can't wait till we're 100% safe and ready to go. I mean, we don't do that in our own country, but his message is profound um, and they need to know about it. So I just, I'm so grateful for each of you for your willingness to join us on mission. Um, I hope this is encouraging to all of our listeners to look at our trip calendar. We've got trips still this year that need people, um, but we're already working on developing our 2022 calendar. And we want to get back out there and make Jesus' name known to the least, the last, and the lost. So thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed hearing about our missions and how it's going with our teams with COVID. We do have trips available still that need help this year. So if you're interested in learning more about our missions, visit our website at cmda.org gho. The three trips have still available this year are in October with Jordan and the Dominican Republic and one in November to Ecuador. We would love to see you on the mission field where I'm sure you'll be hearing, let's go gho. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations.
CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.